You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Recording on a Friday night going into a Saturday when this episode releases of Socks in the Basement. It's a little different as I belly up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar and Ed's in his office. (laughs) I'm in my office. I'm bellied up to a nine-foot Formica desk. The best part is there's a cleaning crew working around him, so you might hear that. It's really funny, and I can imagine their thought, like, who is this loser on a Friday night sitting in his office doing a podcast? Yeah, they're going to walk in on me and just... uh, Basically, give me a look. I got my headphones on. I got the microphone in front of me. Uh, I've got multiple screens going. I'm talking nice and loud. Right. And right. they're just going to give me a look like, what the hell? But you know what? To be fair with these guys, I do work some evenings. You know, I work late a couple nights a week. And uh, every time I do that, they walk in and they always have the same look on their face of, holy shit, there's a person in here. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, the first time it happened, uh, there was one of them. Uh, it, it's a, I, I don't know what the relationship is. It's a man and a woman that do this, but the woman like jumped a little bit and lost a flip flop in my office. So she, you know, I mean, it's it's apparently I'm that scary at night. So well, you are a so scary yeah, if guy. You, if you hear a scream, that's what it is. Yeah, you are a scary guy. All right, so the cleaning crew is working around it on this episode because <laughs> we're a couple of losers who could only find time to record on a Friday night because we have nothing to do on Friday nights. Like when we were young, we had things to do. Now. Nothing to do on a Friday night except talk about White Sox baseball uh, so that you can listen to it over the weekend. This episode and every episode of Sox in the Basement brought to you by Cork and Carry at the Park. You heard the ad at the beginning of the show. It is the place to be pregame, postgame, even in-game uh, for your White Sox games. Bring the kids over, bring the family over, get something to eat, have some fun, use that big giant bar, pick out something you want, grab an award-winning burger, go over to the ballpark with your stomach already full, and then after the game, a little bit of postgame over there, right? Let the parking lot clear out, although I don't know how many people are in the parking lots these days. But still, 33rd in Princeton in the shadow of the ballpark, the official home of Socks in the Basement, Cork and Carry at the park. Well, you got to get the tumbleweeds out of the parking lot, you understand. Those get jammed (laughs) up under your car and it can cause some problems. Listen, there's things to talk about, so I'll give you the choice. What do we want to talk about first? Michael Kopech to the bullpen, Yuan Moncada's heater, or I have a special uh, mystery thing over here that you probably want to save till later on in the show. Well, let's save the mystery to later on, and and I'll uh, I'll flip a coin here. Um, well, no, I won't flip a coin. I, I don't have a coin. I'm sitting at my desk. Uh, we'll, we'll, let's start with Michael Kopech. Let's start with Kopech to the bullpen because this is something you and I have talked about probably needing to happen ultimately. But but Pedro said you know it, it's it's they're just going to back him off now. Uh, and not have him go a lot of pitches innings, just play it inning by inning and work on some stuff. They still view him as a starter next year, though. I really hope that that's just dealing with Michael Kopech's ego. You know, I right. mean, a kid whose dad jumps on online and talks crap when he has a good game because he's, you know, he gets fired up over everything that's happening with his son. And I get it. I've said it before on the show. You know what? I talk crap whenever my son does something good in sports, even though I really don't even understand his sport that well. Like, I enjoy hockey, but he basically has to explain it to me when he's sitting next to me. Like, I only know so much, right? But I get that his dad's into him, and I get that Michael worked really hard to get to this position, and I get that he sees himself as a starter, but he's not. 
and he could be a very successful pitcher with an incredible Major League Baseball career that could actually be like a superstar career if he moved into the bullpen. And I don't trust him as a starter because I don't see him as somebody who can go up against high-level competition and the best teams in baseball face off against them and go six, seven, or eight innings on a regular basis. If he's a starter, he's a fifth starter. So what would you want to be, Ed? I mean, think about this. Would you rather be a fifth starter who every once in a while has a big game against a team like the Royals, or would you rather be a, a just a dominant bullpen piece that's in the all-star game every once in a while for how good you are out of the bullpen and is one of those 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 players that is feared in the postseason because they know that you're coming out at some point in a big situation with the crowd on their feet and everybody's chanting your name and you're a star. You know, here's the thing. I don't I, I know he wants to be a starter because being a starter is going to give him the opportunity to make that big money if he's a frontline starter, but he's not going to get there. I think the best thing for his career, for his income, and and just for his legacy eventually is going to be the idea of coming out of the pen like a like a Josh Hader, you know, going to the pen like Dennis Eckersley had two years ago. And look at what happened to Eck then, because his starting numbers were terrible. His relief numbers were incredible. He went to the Hall of Fame. You know, Goose Gossage, he was a, I mean, I, like I'm going with old baseball players, but baseball is littered with guys that couldn't make it as starters and then went to the pen and went into the Hall of Fame. And even if he doesn't get to there, could have a very good career and a very productive career and probably make more money in his career. He should be wanting to go into the bullpen at this point. Well, let's talk about a contemporary of his and Liam Hendricks, who was, and he'll admit it, and I think he's admitted he admitted it when he was on our show a while back, that as a starter, he just wasn't cutting it. Yes, he was on this show. You're right. He came on the show. He said that. He went through the whole thing. In fact, Liam Hendricks' story really matches this, right? To the point where when you start looking at the numbers, uh, you know, you can start to see even in the smaller sample size where Kopech hasn't you know, really hasn't had as many games as Hendricks has in the bullpen, but he, he's had more starts than Hendricks had as a starter. You start to see some things that are are very, very similar in terms of what it is that, that he can do. And, and the biggest one is both of them had a massive increase in their strikeout to walk ratio. Okay. And, and their strikeouts per nine innings went up. Uh, the whip went down. Now as a starter, Liam Hendricks, had a whip of 1.525, yeah. two strikeouts per walk. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> That's nasty. That's gross. Yeah. You know what? And if he wouldn't have gone into the bullpen, he'd be out of baseball. For several years ago, he would have been out of baseball. Right. And now now he he is, I mean, you think about it, assuming he comes back fully healthy from the elbow now and, and he continues to remain cancer-free, he comes back, he is still probably going to be regarded as one of the top relievers in baseball. And what was he making? What did the White Sox give him? They gave him about $15 million a year? I'm just trying to remember this yeah. off the top of my head. Okay. Yeah, you know, so, that's, that's a decent amount of money. Does a fifth starter get $15 million a year? No. Well, I mean, maybe, but but it, it probably not. What did Cleverger get? Cleverger got two years in which like a combi- it was like a combined 15 because of the way that right. the buyout works and everything like that. Like, or somewhere really close to that. Like, he might have actually been 12. Mike Clevenger, 12 over two years, I think, is what it ends up being. Like I gotta look it up, but I know it's not. It's a lot less than what Liam Hendricks was making, and right now, way less than Liam Hendricks. Kopech, Kopech, you could argue, may not even be performing as well as Clevenger, 
and and no team is going to give him more money than what Liam Hendricks was making. Like financially, if he becomes a star in the pen, there's so much more earning potential for him. Well, and and again, so you, you see certain numbers, okay, right? So strikeouts per nine innings. Liam Hendricks, who is a strikeout pitcher, right? Is any is there any question that that man can strike a lot of people out? No, there's no question. Five point five strikeouts per nine as a starter, as a reliever, eleven point eight. Michael Kopech as a starter. Strikeouts per nine, respectable at 9.0. As a reliever, 13. That is next level. That I is know. an impressive strikeouts per nine in his career as a reliever. I mean, that is that is closer material. You know, when you look at his numbers, a 1.229 whip, which isn't stellar, but it's not bad, but 13 strikeouts per nine and and a walk to, to strikeouts to walk ratio of almost four. I mean, that, that's that's the type of stuff that that's a an impact reliever. Give him to an intelligent manager who understands that he's your closer in certain situations. And in other situations, he's pitching the seventh and eighth in a major game going through the heart of the order. And that guy flourishes. He goes he goes completely off in his career. And he's a huge asset for the White Sox. It's not Michael Kopech's fault that Rick Hahn built a team that didn't have enough pitching depth at the starting role. And it's not Chris Getz's fault either, right? Like, use him in his best role and then address the things that were left behind by your predecessor. Don't continue to make the same mistake that the guys before you made, Chris. No, and and look at look at the evidence you have in front of you on a guy like Kopech, right? It, it's it's sitting right here. I mean, I'm just looking at baseball reference. I'm not even in a scouting department. I'm not even, you know, I'm, I'm barely qualified to talk about baseball. Oh, come on. You're more qualified than half the people in that room up there. You seen, have well, you seen I, some I, of their picks? I know, I, and, and I'm barely qualified to talk about it, so that gives you an idea of what that room looks like. <laughs> hey, all they're doing um, is looking at baseball reference up there, too. Let, let's put it this way. It's a circular room, and they've been looking for the corners for a long time right now. No, you know, you know what I imagine? I imagine that there's a room somewhere at Guaranteed Rate Field, and it just says, like, research, like on the door, right? And you open up the door, and it's one of those old Apple IIc computers. It's like humming. The screen right, is with, flickering. Like with the green text-only screen. Right, and it's and it's got dial-up internet, and it just sits on baseball reference so they can search up players and look at their stats. That's the research department But over the there. database, because they can't, <laughs> it's not actually online, the database is only good up to 1991. Right, and they simulate how a guy can do with a floppy disk version of Stratomatic Baseball. Like that's, that's right. what they're doing. That's their, that's their research department over there. I'm convinced of it. And meanwhile, uh, a guy with a cell phone and somebody vacuuming outside of his door is able to look and make the determination that, you know, given 40 games as a reliever, 59 games as a starter, Michael Kopech is way better coming out of the bullpen to the tune of things like a 740 OPS against him when he's a starter, 692 as a reliever, which is, you know, a a nice little drop uh, off of that. I mean, you know, it's not huge, but it's definitely an improvement. And you just, you can't ignore, I mean, I, I don't see how you can ignore the facts. It, it, even the eyeball test, even if you just watched him when he was coming out of the bullpen under Larusa, you saw a guy who was a weapon. And right now, every time he was going to toe the rubber to start, I pretty much wrote the team off. Yeah, exactly. We're trying to sell you on Michael Kopech. We're trying to sell Michael Kopech on becoming a bullpen piece. And, and, and look, we're probably making a harder sell than you're going to get at window and door superstore or Oak Forest. Like they're not showing up at your door. They're not sitting inside of your living room. They're not pressuring you. 
They're inside the showroom. Your exterior windows, your doors, your patio doors, your storm doors, they're all there on display. They have all the glass designs there for you. There's no pictures in a book. There's no dingy little sample window. There's no, you got to take this deal right now or otherwise I can't give you a deal tomorrow because my boss told me this the last day so I can't walk out of your living room without you signing the contract. There's none of that stuff. The owners are in the showroom and at the site. All window and door superstore installers, they don't farm out the work. They've been doing that in Oak Forest since 1985. Every major brand, custom made, no stock items, perfect fit. Go visit them today. Half block east of 159th and Ridgeland at 6280 159th Street. See more at windowdooroakforest.com. Maybe Liam Hendricks can start hanging out in the bullpen. You know, I know he's recovering from something, right? But can we just get him to sit out there with Kopech and just continuously tell him what a great decision it was to move into the bullpen? Like, <laughs> right? Like, right, let's, yeah. let's get him out there. Let's get Donnie Paul back on the line. He comes on the show all the time, right? You know, the great Don Paul, the Pope. Pope's the been Pope. on the show a bunch of time. The Pope will tell you he tried to be a starter and he realized real quick he could have a longer career as a relief pitcher. Well, and, and and think about there's there's littered with names in White Sox history. Uh, 2005, you're you're two setup guys, okay, and and your closer for a good chunk of the season. Dustin Hermanson was a starter. Yes, he was. was never really good as a starter, and he was even signed by the White Sox to potentially be a swingman and and make some starts. He ends up being a closer and has a great year there. Bobby Jenks was a starter. And then he wasn't because he wasn't good enough to to sustain it. Yeah, as a but he was he was also drinking a keg of beer at the time and living in the woods, right? Farrell. There's, there's that's the that story, too. right? <laughs> Neil Cox was a starter on the White Sox before they moved him into the bullpen. Cliff Polite was not only a starter but had thrown a no hitter. That's as true. A starter. Yes. And and had one of the best years a setup man has ever had in Southside history. Right. So there's nothing wrong with it if you're Michael Kopech, and frankly, he's still young enough. That if he shows that he's got the moxie to be a closer or a high, high leverage setup man, even if his future is not with the White Sox, someone is going to want that guy. I'm telling and, you. And that's, and, and that is also, if they don't compete next year, that's something that they can turn into something else that they need if they're not going to keep him long term. It goes back to something I've said since Chris Getz was hired. I want my general manager to be heartless. I want him to look at what he has and what he doesn't have. I want him to stop worrying about people's feelings. And I want him to start saying, this is how we win. And if you don't like it, you're out. I, I, want him to, I want him to be able to trade a guy away and not worry about whether or not his family just bought a house because this is a business and they get paid a ridiculous amount of money to play a game. And, and I'm sorry, your goal is to win. And if you are, if you're really looking at this, as a general manager, knowing that it's not your fault, he has the advantage to justify anything he does at this point by saying, I didn't do this. I, yeah, I, I was just down there trying to like build a farm system and they were pulling guys before I was even done developing them out of there. I saw Andrew Vaughn for 50 games or whatever it was, right? Like, I mean, like he can go, I didn't do this. Even if you believe it or not, he could just shrug and be like, this has got nothing to do with me. And this is what I think we should do because this is how we actually win. Like he has the ability to do anything he wants to and not worry about the money. So what he should be doing is saying, what is his best role? This is what his role is. Let's go. I, I'm going to have more confidence in Getz and I'm going to have more confidence in, in Pedro if I start seeing them think a little differently than the way that the, the last regime was pushing things and start saying, wait a minute, this is what we really have. Here, here's another way that we're maybe we're maybe able to see a sign of this. And that's somebody like Yohan Moncada 
uh, who was hitting, what, 226 on the year as of August 20th. What's he doing now? And had a 620 OPS. And now, because he's gone on this huge heater since all of a sudden, you know, things are, Sebi Zavala's getting DFA'd and, and there's scrutiny on players. All of a sudden, he seems to be paying attention because now he's up to 260 in a 711 OPS and has homered in three straight games for the first time in his career. And all of a sudden seems to be acting like the player that he was hyped up and expected to be over really the past, what, two weeks, basically, and which kind of coincides with there's a new sheriff in the front office and maybe casting a wary eye at, at paying a guy a lot of money to play a game who isn't really living up to what he's supposed to be. And there's major questions about whether or not he's got value to this team going forward, let alone anywhere else in the league. Listen, he's a bomb in the order guy. And that's all you can, can, that's all you can think of him as. If you're not worried about the money that you didn't hand out, Chris gets, he's a bomb in the order guy that when he goes on these heaters, man, that's a real advantage. You know, guy comes up in the seven or the eight spot or a nine spot and he's hitting that all of a sudden he's on fire. Like those are, those are, those win you games. You didn't even expect to win. So, I mean, exactly. I don't I don't care about his money, but don't buy into it and start like thinking that he's a top four, top five guy in your in your order, because that's going to that's going to bite you over 162 games. Because you know what Yuan Moncada is? Yuan Moncada is like that girl that or guy, ladies, I don't want to just pick on you. Let's say you're in a relationship, right? And you're you're with somebody and they're just a mess. Like they're, they're just, it's just a, it's a messy, nasty, terrible relationship that you're in. And every once in a while they tell you they're going to change and it's like good for a couple of months. And you're like, ah, look at this. It's getting better. I can reinvest my heart into this. Everything's going to be fine. And then like, you know, they drink a bottle of tequila and get mean. Like that's, that's what Yohan Moncada is. Except he doesn't need the tequila. Yohan Moncada just... (laughs) He stops caring about baseball while he's literally on a baseball field. Right. He just stops caring about baseball and then things go badly. Like, I'm glad he's on a heater. And please, Yohan, prove me wrong, man. Prove me wrong. Oh, absolutely. Go go out next year and earn the money you're making because you haven't earned any of the other money up to this point. You haven't been worth your contract for years. Go out and prove me wrong and be a a $25 million player and let us all sit around and say, well, I guess we're going to have to pick up the option for another $25 million because the guy all of a sudden all of a sudden got really good, but I don't buy it because I'm going to tell you something. You're the one, you're the significant other in the bad relationship who is now when the games don't matter, when the damage has been done, when your heart is broken is now all of a sudden going to change, but that change isn't going to last. And I think anybody, I'm telling you right now, that's resonating with so many people because we've all had that in our lives at some point. Okay. And every once in a while, you got to say, I don't buy this anymore. Yeah, and and that's where, you know, when I see this small window in in a situation where you've got, you know, you've got changes being made, actually, and, and you've got guys being DFA'd, uh, and granted, it's just your backup catcher, but you, you can tell that the team is casting an eye towards the future. Corey Lee being up and getting a chance to play behind the plate is evidence of that. Even, even them calling up a guy like Urena, who you know, is probably not going to be around too many, you know, too many teams don't really want him. He kind of failed with the Rockies earlier. He's an old dude, but they're trying to see what's out there and what they can catch and what they can, you know, if there's something, something worthwhile to grab onto, if you're Yohan Mankata and you know that your feet are in the fire a little bit, now, now you're trying. I, it, it, it's, it, it doesn't, it just doesn't track because 
where where were you last year? Where were you earlier this year? I mean, I you know, I I'm looking at 2022 and 104 games where you hit 212. Right. And, you know, had an OPS of 626. That's not going to cut it for anybody. And now I'm looking at a year where at 75 games, you know, not that he's going to, he's not going to play anywhere near a full season, which is starting to be the other thing about Yohan Moncada. He doesn't really, he's not really ever on the field. But yeah, I mean, right now the numbers are respectable with a 260 and a 711. But I'm also looking at a third baseman who's hit seven homers in 75 games. And you're not getting power production from that corner of the infield. You're not getting it from Andrew Vaughn at first base. So, again, Chris Getz has to be heartless and sit there and look at this and go, how am I putting this team together? Because right now, the two guys that are are trying to prove themselves at my corner infield positions are not showing themselves to be power hitters. And Moncada trying to hit three, you know, he's hit three home runs in three games, which is great. But that's that's streaky. That's not sustainable. You're not going to play 122 games next year and hit 122 home runs. Now, again, Yohan Moncada, prove me wrong. That would be amazing. But I also suspect that you'd be tested at like four or five times a day for stuff if you were on that kind of a streak. Yeah, Yohan's on the, on the back porch right now yelling your name, holding a bouquet of flowers and telling you he won't do it again to you. I don't buy it. Socks in the basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boots specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota, and one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. Okay, so I, I've got something here that I, I, it's the mystery thing. And it's a mystery to me because I don't know how true it is. Well, okay. So it, does it come from a source that you'd consider to be reliable? Yes. And that's the thing. The person that's giving me this has been right about a lot of things and has seems to have so a lot of insight into what's going on inside the building. And it makes sense to me when I hear it. But I, I want you to all to take this with a grain of salt. But there is a possibility, and I've Googled this to try to figure out if anybody's gotten it, and maybe I've missed this story, and maybe you're going to be like, Chris, I already heard that somewhere. And Okay, fine. Because I, I've been kind of I've been kind of off the grid here for the last week or so. But from what I understand, it sounds like Kenny Williams Jr. isn't really in the role that he was at at the beginning of the year. That it's possible that somewhere along the line, Chris Getz was like, I don't know if you really should be underneath me anymore. And his father wasn't too happy about it. And then Junior started working as an assistant for dad and nobody ever made an announcement about it. And cause I, cause I did this show about a week ago and I said, this is one of the things I would love to see Chris gets do to make me feel like there were changes in there. And the source reached out and said, Oh no, no, he already had a problem with that. You just aren't going to get an announcement over it. Just the next time that they announce a staff, like for next year, you're just going to see some names missing because they're not going to make a big announcement of when they clean house, but it's, it's happening. 
And that would be a good sign. Like, look, if it hasn't happened yet or it's going to happen and you're not going to see Daryl and his whistle and you're not going to see some of the people that have been in this organization and around this team that really didn't deserve to be there. And like people always go, why do you pick on Daryl Boston? Well, one, it was pretty obvious that he was Kenny's guy. And do you really want like somebody who could run back after a team meeting and tell the boss what was going on? I think that undermines the manager. Okay, I don't know if that's what he's doing, but that's always been the assumption. But also the fact that throughout the years, they continue to take things away from him. Like, oh, we're going to have somebody else work on this with the players. Oh, Daryl's going to have an assistant now when it comes to this defense that they're doing. Like he like you never heard anybody ever say he helps with this. And that's why we're good at it. But he's been a coach on the team forever. And those are the 10 years. He's been a coach on the team since 2013. That's why we pick on him. And the only thing that I can think of as to why he's made it through all these different coaching regimes is because he was the roommate and seemingly best friend of the guy in charge. Right. So like I'm encouraged by the thing that I was told. I don't know if it's true. Again, I have no idea. But I, it gave me like this inkling of hope of like, hey, maybe Getz really is a guy that showed up after all these people were in charge for a long time, right? And he got in there and he was like, well, I really want to work for the White Sox or give me an opportunity. I'm in here. And he started watching what was going on. He goes, oh, this is a mess. But I got to keep my nose down. Again, this is hope. I've said this many times. I did not like this hire. I thought they should have gone outside the organization. All right. This is not me sitting there justifying Chris Getz in there. But this is hope on my part because I know how that works inside of that building. You know, my, my sister worked inside of that building at one point and she described how it worked. The way that they evaluate new people that come in and work is the person that's right above them is going to decide whether or not that person stays on after like a one year trial period. I don't know if it's like that anymore, but I'm, I'm sure they haven't changed very much. They don't change anything about that place. So let's say you walk in and you're really good at something and the person that's there that's above you is evaluating you is really bad at something. And then all of a sudden, like the person above them is like, wow, new person, you're doing a hell of a job. And the other one who gets to evaluate you goes, I'm going to lose my job because I'm incompetent. So they just bounce you. And it's kind of the way I've heard it from more than just one person about how it worked in there. And that's kind of always been the White Sox internal way. And a guy like gets in, gets in there and goes, well, I really want to stay in Major League Baseball and I'm just going to kind of keep my head down. But eventually he gets enough like, you know, gumption and being in the room that he starts saying, I don't know if I really want this guy working underneath me. Can we just move him over here? And he's and, and when he sees his opportunity, walks in the Reinsdorf's office and says, these guys were idiots. I'm going to do it this way. And it's completely possible. That's what happened. And now I don't know if that means he's any good or if he's still terrible. But at least if that's how it went down, it would give me a glimmer of hope then maybe there was a guy who was like, I don't really like how this is all going in here. I can't really do anything about it. The way this place works is if you speak up and you have an idea different than the people above you, they just bounce you out, even if it's a good idea because they didn't come up with it. So I'll just shut my mouth. And then all of a sudden an opportunity happens and he walks into the old man's office and says, I got this. And he convinces him. He takes a shot just like I would do it and you would do it and anybody else listening would do it. They had the opportunity at that moment to say, I want to be the GM of this team and these guys were dysfunctional and I want to do this and I'm going to change things. And that's what I'm waiting for, Ed. I'm waiting to see the change. I'm waiting to see. And I love the Kopech move into the bullpen because I don't think it happens with, with Han Williams up at the top. I really don't. I, I, I think that there are some things that I'm already starting to see that make me think that there's at least a new attitude in the building. I don't know if it's enough, and I don't think they're competing in 2024, and I'm not buying season tickets because I don't trust them yet. But if I get through the offseason, 
and I see things happening that suggest to me that this guy's got a different idea than the guys that were in front of him, then I'm going to sit there and say, okay, I'm going to give him a chance. Because, you know, because I'm a White Sox fan. Because hope springs eternal. Because I just want to believe it's going to be okay. I mean, I'm going to get my heart broken, but I kind of want to believe it, Ed. Well, and, and even if even if you're you're not sold on Chris Getz, even if he's going to try different things, even if that's really what we're hanging our hats on is is, is here's a man who is going to do some things, uh, you know, like move Michael Kopech to the bullpen, which Han would never be able to admit defeat and do. You still have the the reality of the situation that he inherited, and that really any GM, whether it's Getz or somebody from the outside, would have inherited. Because if if you move Michael Kopech to the bullpen, we're down to just Dylan Cease for the rotation next year, because there's really nothing else around the White Sox to do it. Which is why you're getting a Jose Urena. No, start hold on, on a second. I was told after all those trades that all those Double A pitchers were going to be here to help us compete in 2024. You're telling me that's not true. I'm telling you that there's a chance that they're not all going to be ready. That's no. crazy. Um, that means somebody lied to me. Oh, I know. And <laughs> and and how could that have been? Ridiculous. I just don't get it. It's like they're just trying to make me feel good so I buy tickets. I feel so used. <laughs> well, you have been used, my friend. So have I. So have all of us in some way, shape, or form. Wow. Okay. But yes, yes, there there is a chance that those guys will be around to compete. There's a chance. But you are absolutely justified to sit here and say anything that is done that you don't think Rick Hahn would have done is a good sign that Chris Getz has something else in store for the White Sox for 2024 and beyond. And if the thing with Kenny Williams' son being, you know, moved out of a position where he probably didn't belong. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. And we don't know that for a fact, but if that did happen, if Chris Getz had the opportunity and had the the, the means and the leadership skills to go into Jerry and say, I, this, I understand who he is. I understand that if Kenny's like a son to you, that means his son is like a grandson to you, but your grandkid doesn't belong in the development section of this thing. He needs to be moved somewhere else. That would be a very good sign. But again, uh, you know, if, if Johan Mankata is scared enough to try and hit, to, to actually try. And if we're seeing, you know, people shuttled in and out and waiver claims being made and, and guys being basically tried out here and, and moves like Kopech going to the bullpen, if these are all things that we're led to believe are, are at least signs that Chris Getz is going to try something different, that's great. I just, you know, I wonder if we're going to get into a position where we're going to start hearing Chris Getz say things and we're going to look and go, but that can't possibly be all true. <laughs> Listen, my friend, Dylan Cease is going to be in that rotation. Two guys that they probably acquired recently are going to be in that rotation. Nestrini, I think, is definitely going to be in that rotation next year. I, I, I think he's got a chance. I think Eater's got a chance. And then that gives you and then that gives you two spots that are still there. And it could be filled with something like, you know, Tukey. Tukey. Tukey could stick around. They could they yeah. could they could go out and actually sign some pitchers because they have to. They're going to have some money coming off the books. Maybe that's how they approach things. Again, it's all about setting up for 2025. Go out and be competitive. And I don't care if you win, if you're setting yourself up ready for 2025, because you have an opportunity here to remake the team and the way the contracts all fall with money coming off the books. It's time for you to start saying, okay, we don't want to be the laughing stock in 24, but the real number is 25. Something we said last offseason. Remember that? Man, they should have hired us. They should have hired us to be in charge of something. Socks in the basement. Socks 
in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.